Hi. Okay, so it is. Wow, did you hear that noise? I have no idea what that noise is, but it just happens. Anyways, so it's Saturday the 22nd of May, and I'm going to be doing law again. Um, hopefully for an hour. I'm literally just going to do 100 flashcards tonight, um, because I did 100 yesterday. Ah, I've just started from the beginning. Okay, um, so yesterday I was doing flashcards on Quizlet on the English legal system. Um, I'm kind of just going to go through my day. And then I finished that at around about three in the morning. It's incredibly tired, but I couldn't get, I couldn't get to sleep. Um... Anyways, so I had to wake up at 7, but I didn't actually wake up until 7.50 because I was really tired. Um, So, I... what did I do? Right, so I went into the bathroom and did my skincare and everything. Aww. Oh, okay, I I have a story as well, whilst I get there. Um, so, yeah, so I had to wake up early, and then I got ready, and we left the house at around half eight, maybe, and we went to the Apple store, because, um, I got myself a MacBook Pro for college and uni, so, thankfully, now I don't have to, um, worry about my laptop breaking down I used to use a Dell um but we've it's been I think three or four years now and we've had to replace it three or four times so it's basically a new laptop um but it hasn't worked or it doesn't work and at this point um like the charging port just doesn't work anymore you have to like twist the charger in like a certain way and then it'll um and then it will like start charging um which is really tedious and it's also very unreliable (laughs) so I feel like that's just my experience with it though so yeah um anyways so we went to the apple store and there's this really nice guy and he served us Loki kind of cute though just say, <laughs> um, he was also smart, um, like, he took maths, economics, and media at college, he's in first year uni now, um, but yeah, <laughs> that's so random that I know that about someone else, I don't even know what college some of my friends are going to, let alone the A-levels they're taking, um, anyways, so the whole thing about me getting a laptop is I wasn't supposed to say anything to anyone because um honestly I wasn't going to get I wasn't going to get a MacBook anyways um until I could like pay for it myself so I'd probably have to like save or wait until um I'm 18 to use my like trust fund money like from the government and um that's 
mainly because when my mum asked my brother, I mean, I felt bad anyways, because, like, you know, anyways, so when my mum asked my brother if it was okay that she'd get me, like, a MacBook I could use for, like, the next seven or eight years, um, he said, yeah, it's okay, she's your favourite, and I really hate that, I'd, it made, it, like, put me off, like, it made me want to cry, and, um, so I was like, okay, I guess I'm just not gonna get one then, because it doesn't feel great, you know, obviously, yeah, okay, being a favourite is fun and all, but I don't want to be the favourite, like, in comparison to my brother, you know, because he's great, he's great, um, but yeah, and then, so I wasn't gonna show him, or I wasn't, I wasn't even gonna tell him until, like, he came to visit, which would be not this coming week, but the week after, um, because that's half term, so I wasn't gonna show him until then, because I don't really know. I don't really know what my game plan was, but I just knew that I couldn't keep it a secret whilst he was here because I obviously have to do my work somewhere. Um, Which reminds me, I have to do my project proposal and I think I'm going to do two separate ones because I don't know what to do for my EPQ and it's stressing me out majorly. Um, As well as law, because I have to revise all of law. Um... Did I say what I did the rest of the day? Or did I just get sidetracked? I think I got really sidetracked. Um, anyways, so after we got home, I set up my MacBook. And, oh, for those of you wondering, it's a MacBook Pro. Why am I saying those of you? No one else listens to this except for me. Anyways, for me, who is wondering, <laughs> I got the MacBook Pro in Space Gray. Um, I learned that the difference between a MacBook Pro and a MacBook Air is that a MacBook Pro has fans for if I'm doing something really taxing and I need to have a lot of things open at the same time um, to prevent like my laptop from overheating the fans will just turn on um, so that's always great we love that um, increases longevity and all Anyway, so after I set it up and left it to charge for like an hour or two, I started doing my law work where I actually um, managed to do a, what's called, a um, practice paper for law, which is always great. Hold on, I'm just replying to my friend over. I don't like how it autocorrects. I don't like the um, autocorrect on the uh, laptop, which I have taken down. Like, I mean closed. What? Spotify, like, um, opens as soon as I turn my laptop on. I'm not saying it's not useful, but don't... 
I don't know, I don't know, I don't know where I was going with that, um, but yeah, so I did an AQA paper, I haven't done the mark, I haven't, like, marked it or anything yet, because I'm just gonna wait until tomorrow, probably shouldn't, I should probably mark it today, (laughs) I don't want to though, I did the, um, I did the AQA question paper, paper one, from June 2018, um, I think there's, I think there's, like, three papers, maybe? Or two? I can only find two papers, but I feel like there was three of them. Right? No? Like, one on the English legal system, one on criminal and tort, and then one on contract? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm probably wrong. (laughs) Um, anyways... Yeah, so my plan for tonight um, is to read, to read, sorry, to finish another three, another 300, another 100 um, flashcards. In this case, it would be 96 because um, I did 104 yesterday. That took me ages. I really hope it doesn't take me that long because... Um, I'm going to stay up and, like, customise my laptop. I keep calling it a laptop, and I don't know whether I should start calling it a MacBook. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get started now, because, because, yeah. Right, okay, so I don't know if I said this in the first one, actually, but this is just the continuation of the last one, um the last episode of this podcast which is me revising for law which is what I'm doing now I feel like I said that anyways um I'm just gonna get right into it so yeah what is insurance it's like a policy given by the banks that cover multiple things so you can have life insurance for if you die, you can have health insurance. For if you get sick or injured, you can get travel insurance. If something happens, that's if something goes wrong whilst you're on holiday. Um, I know that some banks offer like legal aid insurance. I don't know what it's called, but like if you need it, like, for court money, they, they do that, yeah, most policies offer additional legal protection, um, car and home premiums can go up, right, um, what is media influence as a disadvantage, as a disadvantage, sorry, I feel like that's because my friend Lila says advantage, like, because she's from up north, she's from Newcastle, Love Lila. She gave me frog rings. I think I actually mess- messaged, mentioned that yesterday. I I really don't remember. It's The days literally just go by so fast and like in such a blur. But at the same time, it, it drags. <laughs> and I, I don't know how that's like physically possible. Um, what is media influence as a disadvantage? Um... A disadvantage of media influence is that they might not always have 
be all of the case facts. It might be really one-sided. Um, that was my phone, if you had that. Um, media coverage can influence jurors, especially on high-profile cases, where there has been a lot of publicity about police investigations into a case. An example would be R.V. Taylor and Taylor. Again, I feel like this is one of the ones I really need to revise. I also really need to revise um, like the legal professionals category. So that's what I'm doing tomorrow. Um, I'm going to wake up and brew myself some lemon tea and then start literally just start a new podcast episode and read from the very beginning everything that I wrote down in my textbooks in my sorry in my notebooks because I've filled up two notebooks this year um so that's fun love that we do um and then I'm going to figure out how to assign one case to a principal each because I feel like that will be enough. As long as I know one case and what happens in that case and what that case, um, why that case is important to the principal or is related to the principal, then I should be fine. Um, But I also feel like legal professionals and that stuff will come up so just gotta know my stuff oh I'm also gonna mark it that's what I'm gonna do from like nine till ten I'm gonna mark my my um my test paper that I did today love it it literally took me five hours because um it was supposed to be an hour and a half but I literally just got so distracted I had lunch I watched a mo- I watched two movies. I had a nap. Um, I was trying to customize my laptop. <laughs> it was just a whole thing, but I did finish it, most of it. I didn't do the last question though because um, I'd already done that question in a past FPP. Anyways, right? Yes. Next one. What is a, a lack of understanding as a disadvantage of juries? I understand now what they mean by restricted code in context-based. This is based on the jury section. Anyways, okay, so a lack of understanding is a disadvantage because jurors need to understand the case facts in order to de- to deliberate and make a decision. Um, there are worries that jurors may not understand the case which they are trying yeah, which is kind of important, I'm not going to lie. What are high acquittal rates as a disadvantage? Juries are often criticised on the grounds that they acquit too many defendants. To be fair, though. What is the case for jury equity? I don't know. I don't know. Pontings. I feel like I do. I feel like I do know. You know. Um... But I guess I'll find out tomorrow. Oh, gosh. Sorry. Um, the whole... So, um, 
I'm going to be going to maths tomorrow. I mean, um, we're doing online maths at this point. Um, and then my mum said that we might go over to this person's house because they, they've just gotten confirmed and so we're going to give them a present. And they're having, like, a party for it. But my mum's, like, really sceptical because COVID. I mean, they have introduced the, like, two-household rule, so. Yeah. Also, I need to bring, like, all of my revision stuff. I'm not going to bring my laptop. Yeah, so I'm not going to bring my laptop because I don't know the Wi-Fi. It could get broken. And honestly, I'm just not here for that, you know. I'm not up for watching my... <laughs> I'm not up for watching my new laptop get smashed. Um, I was looking at cases. Like laptop cases and I really want a black one for my macbook like a matte black macbook case oh that is sleek that is elegance it radiates virgo but not all virgos just me as a virgo I love the color black anyways um so I'm on 108 so I have 92 left what is the case for perverse decisions? I don't know. Randall and Postle and then Conrad and others. I really don't think we learned about this. So, um, I guess I'm going to have to teach myself this. Um, tomorrow. <laughs> what happened in Sander versus UK? There was a racial bias within the jury, um... The judge could have discharged the jury. I don't know what happened in the case of Sander v UK. If you can hear rattling, that's my... um. I have, like, a bead keychain, which I made. It says yikes on it. It's very cute. Um, What are high street solicitor firms? The ones that you find on the high street. High street solicitor firms may have several offices throughout a region. They generally deal with individual clients and cover criminal or civil law or both. They, um, some of them will carry out publicly funded work paid for by legal aid. Huh. What are commercial solicitors firms? Um... They have offices throughout the world and they tend to work for businesses rather than individuals and, as such, are called on to provide a different range of services. Commercial firms may advise clients on intellectual property matters, mergers and acquisitions, employment contracts and business conveyancing. Um, what is the cab rank rule? Oh, I actually know this but I've completely forgotten. Um, self-employed barristers work according to the cab rank rule, whereby if they have the time skill, and skills and are offered a reasonable fee, they must accept the case. This is to avoid situations where 
some people may not be able to get a barrister to represent themselves. Right, yes, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like that whole legal professionals thing is just not, hasn't just, just hasn't registered because we did that. Oh, yeah, the legal professionals bit as well as the access to justice bit because that's what we did before Christmas. And then we had a three-month lockdown where we had to learn um, criminal law and I could not learn criminal law. Um, Sorry, I'm just answering... um, Sorry, I'm answering my um, my brother's girlfriend. Um, Cause she sent me a Snapchat. Anyways, um, yeah. So we did that topic before Christmas, and like it was there was a lot to learn. Um, obviously, with time, if I if you just keep revising, you will eventually learn it. Um, you just gotta repeat it a couple of times. And by a couple, I mean a lot. For example, like, two of the cases that I know, like, really well in criminal law are for causation. Not necessarily the case facts, um, because for one of them, the case facts isn't important. But um, these are the tests for factual and legal causation. So factual causation is... Um, tested using the but-for test which was set out in R.V. Paget, and then the legal causation is tested um, by seeing if the defendant's conduct was more than minimal which was set out in Kimsey anyways yeah but because we had to learn criminal law for three months just like online it just didn't go very well for me at least um I like really struggled with online learning and then also trying to remember everything we did before online learning because with online learning you I don't know if this this is just me but I really had to like focus and that sounds bad but I physically just couldn't focus um, yeah, and then we came back and did negligence, um, which again was just really hard to grasp because, um, I think it's raining outside, yeah, it was just, it was really hard to grasp everything because I feel like I was just being flooded with information, again, this is just me, but, you know, how is civil law enforced? Um, the courts. Formally, like police and everything. Who has the burden of proof in criminal law? The prosecution. Yep. Who has the burden of proof in civil law? The claimant. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What is the standard of proof for civil law? That is the balance of probabilities. 
Um, a bill is a concept for a new law or like a proposal for a new law. What is actus reus? Actus reus is the physical act within an offence. Yeah, the guilty act. What is mens rea? Mens rea um, is the mental element behind the actus reus. Um, Both of which have to coincide at some point um, because it needs to follow the coincidence rule. I feel like I missed out when talking about big criminal cases. Anyways, um, yep, a guilty mind. Um, what does Hilvy Baxter say? Um, for the actus reus to be satisfied, the act must be voluntary and positive. Right, yes, okay, well, this is another one that I have to revise... Genuinely, it's very questionable how much I le- I I know at this point. Um, yeah, and it's very concerning to me. What are omissions? Omissions are a failure to act. Basically. Um, so if the defendant has a duty to act and then fails to do so, then that would be an omission. What are the six omissions? It would be, um, right, (laughs) it would be a relationship, like a special relationship, um, an official position, um, contractual agreement, okay, assuming a duty of care by statute, and then creating a dangerous situation. I need to remember those. I feel like those will come up. Not very strongly, though, but, you know. um, This is really dumb. Um, There's a, like, notification at the top of my page, and it says, This webpage is using significant energy. Closing it may improve the responsiveness of your Mac. Well, I'm using it at the moment, so I don't really need to use the rest of my Mac. I don't, I don't understand, you know? No me comprende. Je ne sais pas. <laughs> um, what is the case of a duty by relationship? I want to say Stone v. Dobinson, but I feel like that's not the case. I feel like that would be assumed one, would it? Wouldn't it? Gibbons v. Proctor. Don't know this case. I want to say it looks familiar, but then I'd be lying. <laughs> um, Gibbons v. Proctor is the, rela- is the case for duty by relationship. The case for contractual duty is Pitwood. Again, I don't think we got given case examples for this, but I will be looking at it tomorrow. Um, I'm literally just going to start reading everything. Oh, I'm also going to read from my flashcards. I'm going to read from my flashcards up until the point where I just stopped writing flashcards because I realised it took way too long. 
Um, yeah. What is the case for assuming a duty? Stone v. Dobinson? Yes, Stone and Dobinson. Um, that was a really tragic case where, um, so a man and his, I want to say girlfriend at the time, or like fiance, maybe. Anyways, so he had, like, mental issues, or he was, like, old. He had health problems, right? And his sister also had mental health issues, and she was also suffering from anorexia. He took it upon himself to, like, look after her assume a duty of care because you know he was he was his sister and by doing this obviously his like girlfriend or whatever at the time agreed to do it with him and um so they took her in and she began to refuse food, obviously, because, you know, she had anorexia, um, and she died malnourished, um, they, I believe they were charged with manslaughter, um, and the reason for, because they didn't, I mean, they didn't get anyone to help them, even though they, um, realised that they couldn't take care of her anymore, anymore, sorry, and the standard of care had slipped below that of a reasonable man, and I don't remember if this was in negligence, or if this was in criminal law, because, eek, you know, but I feel like it is criminal, yeah, because it wasn't taught, it wasn't a taught law kind of case, what was the case for a statute? The Road Traffic Act, 1988. I think that was in... Nope, never mind. I was going to say that was in Nettleship in Western, but then I realised that that was a negligence case and we're still in criminal, I believe. What is the case for creating a dangerous situation? I want to say... Um... Um... Ah... Uh, I know this. Um, DPP versus... San Santana it's something like that it begins with an S Santa Santana (laughs) I'm just gonna say Santana oh okay or Miller RV Miller fine um it's gonna really stress me out I think it is Santana you know where um they where the defendant had pins in their coat and then they let a police officer search them without letting them know that they had pins in their coat um but anyways rv miller was a case where the defendant was a homeless man who was squatting in this house and he went out had a couple of drinks came home um lit up a cigarette and then fell asleep on the couch he woke up and that room was on fire. But instead of, like, running out and getting help, he literally just got up, went into another room, and then went back to sleep. 
So I was just like, my guy. Why? <laughs> Why? But that's what that was. Um, what happened in the case of Stone and Dobinson? I already explained that. Um, Stone's elderly sister. Oh, oh right. Um, her name was Fanny. Came to live with the defendants. Can I say that? Yeah, I mean that was her name. She failed to eat and became bedridden and incapable of caring for himself, herself. Fanny died from malnutrition. Both defendants were found guilty of her manslaughter. Yep. What happened in the case of Gibbons v. Proctor? Oh, this was a special relationship one, right? Oh, I think I do remember this, right? I think I do. Yeah. I think I could be completely wrong. Um, But I think this was the one where it was like a man and his wife. And they had a daughter. And they like locked her in a room and refused to like feed her or anything and she died. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, I'm not, like, cheering about that, but I remember what it was. Um. So the father of a seven-year-old girl lived with a partner, and the father had several children from an earlier marriage. He and his partner kept the girl separate and deliberately starved her to death. They were both convicted of murder um, because the father had a duty to feed her because he was her parent. I'm so, I'm so happy that, like, I remember that. That was... That, like, made my heart warm. Anyways, what is a state of affairs crime? Oh, I know this. But, like, my law teacher said that we didn't need to know this. A state of affairs crime is a crime where somebody is responsible for a state of affairs. And is punished for the situation. I'm going to have to go over that because that does not make sense to me. Um, yeah. What is a conduct crime? Um, a guilty act but no consequence. I don't think we learned about any conduct crimes, to be fair. Um, what are the cases for absolute liability? I only know one, which is R. V. Larsen, 1932, where a, I want to say French woman, yeah, A French woman was living in Ireland or Northern Ireland, one of them, and she got deported to England for some reason. And they were like, no, she can't come in here. She's an illegal alien. So she got charged for being an illegal alien, even though she was deported against her will. And then I don't know who... what Windsor was, but Larson is the one that I remember. What is factual causation? Oh my gosh, I think, I think I talked about this. Factual causation is um. Oh wow, crack time. Oh, that didn't sound correct. It's using the but for test set out in R V Paget, um, to see if the conduct of the victim was the actual cause of the injury yeah the defendant can only be guilty if the consequence would not have happened but for the defendant's conduct but for test rv paget um what are the cases for factual causation oh also rv white and rv hughes but 
I think it was established in R.V. Paget. And then they just applied that principle to everything else. <laughs> um, did White have factual causation? I want to say yes. Oh, I don't remember what happened in White. Um, no? No. The answer is no. I have to go read over that tomorrow, but I will. I'll, I'll get there. Did Paget have factual causation? Yes. Um, what does legal causation require? It requires the conduct to be more than minimal, which was set out by Kimsey. Yeah. Um, as well as an yeah. As well as an intact chain of causation, um, which means there were no intervening acts that could have broken the chain of causation, meaning that the um defendant was not legally the cause of the injury. Um, what is a thin skull rule? It means that you have to take the victim as they are with even with underlying conditions that you may not have known of. It's basically just like a don't attack someone because you might not know if they're more vulnerable. Yeah, the the defendant must take the victim as he finds them. Um, for example, if they were more vulnerable to harm, then that would be a mm, aggravating factor in this case. <laughs> um, what is the standard of proof for criminal law? Um, it would be beyond all reasonable doubt. Yep. Where do laws come from? So there are three sources of laws, um, custom law statute law and common law common law is cases custom law is from norms and statute law is acts of parliament yup and some of the time it can also be um judges like making precedent so for example rvr in 1991 um was where a judge ruled that it would an offence to um, for a man or a woman to rape their partner within a marriage because before that that was not a thing you know because before it was it was like oh you got married um, there would be like what's it called there would be assumed consent when you said I do um, oh my gosh I, I literally just Alright, oh, said the R word. Anyways, um, I'm just going to put a trigger warning. I'm just going to title it. I'm going to put a trigger warning in the title. Just in case. Yeah. Um, but yes, so um, that was later developed, I believe, in 1994. I don't remember, though, when specifically it was um, made into law, but they made law from that judge's precedent so that's great um what does how does the statute case work what do you mean um an act of parliament imposes a duty to do something right so for example the road traffic act 1988 required that people wore a seat belt okay 
Um, what does London and North Eastern Railway Co. v. Berryman illustrate? But the law is sometimes unfair. <laughs> the literal rule can lead to what may be considered as harsh, harsh decisions, which is true, very true. What is a binding precedent? Binding precedent means that all the courts lower than lower in the court hierarchy than that court that made the precedent have to follow it. So the Supreme Court is the highest one, so all the other courts have to follow their precedent. Um, however, the inferior courts, such as the county and crown and magistrates court, cannot make binding precedent. Yep, a decision in an earlier case which must be followed in a later case. Um, for example, the Reschweps and the other one, <laughs> the later one. Where do customs come from? Societal norms. Yep, rules of behaviour which developed in a community without being deliberately event- invented. My gosh. What is advice in criminal cases? What do you mean? There is a duty solicitor scheme run 24 hours a day for those held at the police station. In 2016, 650,000 suspects accessed this advice. Oh, that's nice. It was government funded. Didn't know about that. What are conditional fee agreements? Um, they only use in civil cases and not family. Um, solicitor and client agree on the normal fee and the success fee. Um, made on the basis that if the case is lost, um, the client pays nothing. Um, so no one, no fee, basically. Um. So if the case is won, then the client has to pay the normal fees that come with working with a solicitor. So letters, phone calls, emails, um, conferring with barristers and judges and all that stuff. And then as well as a success rate, which often, more often times than not, would be 25% of the winning, which is like, wow. Um, it's quite a lot, you know. What is the funding in civil cases? Um, no funding for civil legal aid unless mentioned. For example, children's rights and then liberties and mental health. Um, what are the interests of justice? Oh, they're the tests to see if someone qualifies for criminal legal aid um, and they would be the loss of liberty or livelihood consideration of a point of law um, unable to understand proceedings the case may involve witnesses interests of someone else that the individual is represented um, what is a complaints commissioner um, they oversee the complaints process and investigate any complaints if, after consideration of the complaint, the commissioner thinks that it might be justified, they will refer it to the Professional Conduct and Complaints, complaints Committee. Um, why is funding important in terms of justice? It gives everyone, like, an equal 
chance at having a fair trial because that's one of the human rights um, which we are given in the Human Rights Act 1998, which was implemented in, like, the year 2000 or something. It was in, like, October. Um, but, yeah, one of those rights is a right to a fair trial. Um, and so if they aren't given the legal aid, then their their freedom is being infringed on and... In turn, so is their human rights. So, yeah. What are laws? (laughs) Laws are written rules passed by the government that control society's behaviour. Is this going to be... Is this going to go into law in concepts? Because that was a blur, man. If we don't go over law and concepts next year, I think I'll cry. Um, What is the difference between a law and a moral? We're going through it. Um, A law is... A written rule, and a moral is something most people believe to be right or wrong. Um, a law also has criminal punishment, whereas morals, would, like if you did something that was against society's morals, you you get societal punishment and not criminal punishment. Um, what are the reasons for strict liability? Um, there's like, a strict liability are offences that only require mens rea for one part of the actus reus, I believe. Um, it makes it easier to prove, it saves courts time, it prevents defences, protects the public, and it makes the regulation of offences more straightforward. What happened in Sweet v. Parsley? Oh, this this case I know that we covered, but I don't remember what happened. Oh, right. Sweet v. Parsley. We're on to um, Occupy's liability, I think. Right? Um, so that was when a... Where the victim... No, claimant and... Who's... Defendant. Yeah, right. So the claimant um, gave or like leased her farmhouse to some people um, and they actually grew, started like growing weed or like cannabis in their um, She was not found guilty, though, the claimant, because, um, because it wasn't her, like, cannabis, I guess. This would not have been a strict liability case. I have no idea why this was the example of a strict liability case. There were, there were, like, so many other good ones, like... Um, Candy v. Lecoq, um, the Shah and Shah one, and then there was another one, <laughs> I don't remember. Um, what happened in Gammon, LTD v. AG for Hong Kong? Oh, this is the, this is where the Gammon test was, um, invented. Oh, um, I don't remember. 
Lord Scarman gave guidance for when the courts should impose liability. So the presumption of mens rea, um, truly criminal as well as statutory offence. Um, again, I'll be reading over this. Um, I'm just going to stop saying I'm going to read over this because I will read over this tomorrow. Um, yeah. What happened in Blake is an RV Blake. No clue. Um, they were convicted of using a station for wireless technology without a license. They believed he was making a demonstration tape. For what? Why do we need statutory interpretation? To avoid absurd and harsh and ultimately unfair judgments because at the end of the day we're trying to achieve justice and this just helps it broad term ambiguity a drafting error um new developments in the law um changes in the use of language right yes (laughs) right yes i say i've said that way too many times what case demonstrates demonstrates the changes in the use of language? No clue. Cheeseman v DPP. No clue who that is, or what happened in their case. Um, but yes. <laughs> um, what did Lord Esther say, an RV judge of the City of London Court, about the literal rule? Um, if the words of an act are clear, then you must follow them, even though they lead to manifest absurdity. That's not very... It's not very just. Where is the narrow rule defined in the... The golden rule? Oh, right, okay, never mind. Lord reads comments in Jones v. DPP. What happened in Jones v. DPP? I cannot remember if the case that I'm thinking about is Jones v. DPP or Jennings versus National Coal Board. But considering... I know absolutely nothing. This is going to be hard to tell. Um, What is the mischief rule? Okay, so the mischief rule is used in the purposive approach. And it's basically where you look at the parliamentary intention behind the act as opposed to looking at the specific words within it. Um, it was established using the it, um, it was established in Hayden's case, which was like something ridiculously far back, like ni- uh, 1547 or something like that. Or it was like really early, 1508. <laughs> I don't remember. Hayden's case. I don't remember what. Hello? Um, oh, so close. It was, eight, it was 1584. I said, I said something about 1587 or something. Um, the mischief rule is a rule of statutory interpretation that looks back to the gap in the previous law and interprets the act um, so as to cover up the gap. What are the four rules of mischief? Um, it was set out in Hadrian. In Hadrian? Hadrian and Hayden, but I don't remember. Um, so it's, what was the common law before the making of the act? What was the mischief and defect for which the common law did not provide? What is the remedy the parliament hath resolved? And then what is the true reason of the remedy? Okay, so... 
what was the law behind the act? Like, what was the act trying to prevent or do? Um, and then why, not why, but, like, what made it uncertain and, like, difficult to interpret? And then what was Parliament's remedy? And then what was the reason for the remedy? Cool. What are the cases for the mischief law? One of them is Quinterville, and I don't remember what happened in Quinterville. Um, Smith and Hughes. Never mind. What was Quinterville? That was that was just the purposive approach. Um, but Smith and Hughes is the one that I remember the most, which is the one about the Street Offences Act, nineteen fifty nine, right? Yeah. I think. And then Eastbourne Borough Council versus Sterling. I actually do remember that one. I don't remember what happens though. As well as the Royal College of Nursing versus DHSS. What does nursing v DHSS say? It illustrates new developments. Um, medical science and methods had changed since the passing of the Abortion Act in 1967. Um, what was the purposive approach? Um, an approach to statutory interpretation in which the courts look to see what the purpose of the law is instead of looking at the words. What happened in X part Smith? I don't remember, but the purposive approach was used to prevent the promotion of serious crime. That's nice. What are intrinsic aids? Um, the aids to statutory interpretation that are found within the act itself. Um, so it would be, like, the long title, the short title, white papers, definition sections, um, interpretation sections, I don't know if those are the same thing, um, the preamble, white, I already said white papers, the sectional headings or marginal notes, yeah, yep. What is an example of an interpretation section? No clue. I don't think we need to know that much. What is the long title? The long title is the one, I believe, no, that's that's the one that's like fully read out in the second, um, in the second reading of parliamentary lawmaking. Um... Fisher v. Raven, 1964, the long title was used to decide debtors. I, we haven't learned about that. Um, what is the preamble? Um, the preamble is found in a lot of the... In more of the older cases, like the newer ones don't usually have a preamble. But it's basically like an introduction or like a summary, I guess. Um, yeah. What are the sectional headings and marginal notes? Just, like, notes. And, like, headings that may be used to help um, with the statutory interpretation. Um, What are definition sections? Um, They are put in there to 
give the judges, like, definitions of words that they may need to interpret. Um, what are the undisputed extrinsic aids? Um, previous acts, historic settings, earlier case law, and then dictionaries that were published at the same time as the law. As, yeah, as a statute. What are other extrinsic aids? Um, Hansard, which we love. Um, legal textbooks, again, had to be published at the time of the act. Um, Law commission reports and international conventions. What is an example of previous acts on the same topic? What do you mean? Um, Previous acts on the same topic. I don't know. Wheatley, 1979. We have not learned about Wheatley, I don't think. Oh, what happened in Pepper v. Hart? Hansard can be used in a limited way where there is ambiguity, absurdity, or obscurity. And there is a clear statement introducing legislation. Overruled Davis v. Johnson. I... No clue. No clue. I do know... Pepe V. Hart, though, but I cannot remember for the life of me what happened. <laughs> um, what happened in Three Rivers District Council and others v. Bank of England? They allowed a court to introduce a European directive or international law. Um, the judge said all materials are relevant here, even when not ambiguous or obscure. Yeah. How have law commission reports been useful for interpreting the law? Um, they discovered the mischief or the gap in the law which the legislation based on the report was designed to deal with. Time check. It is half past midnight. I am very tired, but I have 20 more. Oh, okay. Here is ex part Quinterville. What happened in ex part Quinterville? Um... Its purpose was to regulate and make sure it was done professionally. Make sure what was done professionally. How are you supposed to revise with no context for the flashcards? Anyways, they stretched the meaning of of live embryo to all embryo-related. Embryo interpreted to include... I don't know what CNR stands for. This, wow. Okay, anyways... What are the types of persuasive precedent? Um, lower courts, privy council decisions, statements made in the obituary, dissenting judgments, and then decisions in other countries. What are the exceptions to the binding structure? Um, oh, um, a decision of the European Court of Justice and cases involving human rights. What case illustrates reluctance to use the practice statement? Um, Nulla v. DPP and Jones v. SS. I've, we've heard of... I think we were taught Nulla, but again, I cannot, cannot remember. My bad. Um, the recording is 60 minutes, lol. Um, when has the practice statement been used in criminal law? Um... RVG overruled Caldwell in favour of Cunningham. 
this was uh something to do with subjective re- uh, recklessness. Um, yeah. What case emphasised this? Milango's. Oh, right, yes. That's in the textbook somewhere, but I don't know if I wrote that down. Um, what is the case for the extra criminal exception? Uh, Taylor and Gold. That does ring a bell, but I don't think that... I think it's just because I'm tired and everything kind of rings a bell. I just feel like I should know it. Um, what are the disadvantages of judicial precedent? Um, because it's setting essentially... Not laws, but like judgments that have to be followed by later cases. It's kind of like law, I guess. And it's kind of undemocratic. Um, it's also very rigid, so not many changes or overruling. Or il- yeah, or overruling. May lead to Ill- illogical distinctions. Um, there is a slowness in growth. You have to wait for a case to go to court. Um, which takes quite a, quite a long time. Um, complexity. Especially in trying to understand the ratio decedendi and overdetector of the case. Um, what does overruling precedent mean? It means a court in a later case decides that the legal rule used in the earlier case was wrong. Give examples of an act of parliament taking precedence over judicial decisions. Uh, the Law Reform Act 1996, the year-and-a-day rule. I have no idea what any of these are. What is a magistrate? Um, not legally qualified um, people. That It's a volunteer role. It is the equivalent of a judge in a crown court. They sit in the magistrate's court to try summary offences and tribal either way offences. And there's usually three of them. Um, what can the crown court do as an appeal court? They can confirm, vary or reverse a decision or a sentence. Um, the crown court can decide... I have no idea what... Oh, can decide on a point of law, but if possibility of further appeal, it will go to the administrative courts. Um, what does the administrative court do for magistrate appeals? They correct... They... What? They correct magistrates' mistakes and ask magistrates to set out their findings of fact with no witnesses. Um, how did... How did Criminal Appeal Act 1995 simplify the grounds to appeal... Um, it states it should be allowed if conviction is unsafe and should dismiss in any other case. Um, what does an appeal against the acquittal mean? Um, it's when the prosecution can appeal against an acquittal if the judge um, has granted it for the defendant. If it was a result of jury nobbling, nibbling, I feel like it's nibbling, um, or there is new and compelling evidence. What does referring to a point of law mean? I don't remember what nib- jury nibbling is, but I will I will look that up after I finish this. Um, what does referring to a point of law mean? Um, it's where the judge may have made an error explaining to the jury the, um, the point of law, and so the prosecution have a right to refer to a point of law. Um, what is denunciation? It is expressing society's disapproval of an offender's behaviour. 
Um, yeah, what are the requirements for a community order? Um, unpaid work, activity, program, prohibited activity, curfew, exclusion, residence, mental health, treatment, and drug rehabilitation. Um, those are some conditions of a community order. What does 2.143 of the Criminal Justice Act 2003 say? Um, considering this... In considering the seriousness of the offence, the court must consider the offender's culpability in committing the offence and harm, oh, in committing the offence and harm which the offence caused or was intended to cause or might reasonably foresee to have caused. That was really wordy. What is the role of a legal advisor? A legal advisor in the court um, gives advice on the law and makes sure the magistrates follow the right procedure. What is jury equity? Um, it's that jury are not bound to follow precedent, so it is possible for them to decide cases on the idea of fairness. Yep, that's it. That is, that is it. I'm going to go look up what jury nibbling is. Jury nibbling or nobbling. No, no, yeah, yeah, jury nobbling. Jury nobbling refers to the actual or attempted influence of one or more jury members through intimidation or inducement. Yes. Um, we learned about that, but I didn't, I didn't remember. Anyways, so now I'm just going to chill because um, I'm going to stay up until I practically fall asleep. Um... And I'm going to customise my MacBook. So I've, I I actually did a hundred flashcards in that time. Which is, you know, go me. Love that. I have four minutes. Um, this one won't actually be that long. I mean, to be fair, if it reaches an hour, then it will be like an hour and ten minutes. Which is like roughly what I've been going for. Um, but yeah, I've got to figure out how I'm gonna do all of this. Honestly, I might just go to sleep. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, I have a little, um, message at the bottom of my screen that says, the maximum recording time for this segment is 60 minutes. Keep an eye on the clock. Um, it's currently... Um, almost quarter to. And it is very cold. I literally said this earlier. Hold on. So I was feeling rather hot in my pajamas because they're like fluffy, and I was like, "Oh, okay. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take my top off." Um, and just sleep in, like, my bralette, because it's really comfortable, and, um, I was like, I'm definitely gonna regret this, like, either in the morning or later tonight, because it's gonna be cold, I just have a feeling I'm gonna get really cold, and then I said, no, it's fine, like, I'll be fine, like, I'm never cold, um, in the morning anyways, 
it's literally been an hour since I said that and I'm like regretting it so I'm gonna fully put it on when this finishes um so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just look at all the ways that I can make my MacBook look really aesthetic and then find productive things or like apps that I can download um and yeah hope for the best really um but I mean I can always customize it after law on Tuesday I'm literally just I'm literally just gonna go home after and like cry um but yeah oh right um I think I'm gonna get boba on Tuesday tomorrow though I have to revise my um childhood section of what's called of sociology because I think that's what our topics are because she's given us a list a list of topics to um revise for our mocks at the end of the year anyways so this has been very fun um this segment's about to end but I hope you enjoyed listening to me freak out over law and try to remember things I don't remember at all um yeah I guess I'll see you in the next one bye yep I'm just gonna keep going until it runs out Nope.